0: If you're in business, you probably have a website, but can your site handle your growth? How many visitors before your site slows down or crashes? What about storage and data security? From web hosting to virtual servers, Pair Networks provides the online infrastructure you need to start, grow, and flourish. When it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24 7 US based customer support is the best in the industry. No frustrating chatbots are sitting on hold for hours. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. That's P A I R.com. Lone Pine Devils return. Why don't we see caveman ghosts? And I've been looking all over for the story of sexual assault missiles, but did I already cover it? And then we take a look at an American icon who just recently was accused of some of the most heinous crimes today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Um, This might be the equivalent of a clip show. We're going to be talking about a couple past episodes to start off. And for two reasons. One, I've gotten a lot of interesting feedback lately. Two, I'm coming down really hard off of nicotine. I had to give up the lozenges. I couldn't do the keto. I struggled. I lost. It took me like three weeks to lose like... Three or four pounds. It sucked, and I wasn't eating enough. The lozenges, the nicotine lozenges, was giving me just enough sugar to keep me out of ketosis, and I wasn't eating enough, and it was just nasty. So, I'm on the patch. I haven't had a nicotine lozenge now in probably about 15 hours, and I feel all I can do is eat and sleep. I've basically reverted to a uh, a caveman, and we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah. The patch gives me 21 milligrams of nicotine for 24 hours. I normally take 10 milligrams of nicotine in an 8-hour period. So I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, but I want to get an episode out for you guys. I enjoy doing this show. Definitely wanted to do it. But this episode is pretty much the podcast equivalent of a clip show. But I hope it's entertaining because the stuff we're going to talk about really had me thinking. The first thing we're going to talk about, though, is... This happened really recently, maybe like a day or two ago. I got a comment on my YouTube channel about my episode. It was episode 198, Attack of the Lone Pine Devils. And that was a story about a, supposedly there were these winged bat creatures up in the Lone Pine Mountain, which is a mountain in California. And it all it all hinged on this uh, tale of this guy from like this missionary from like the 1800s who went up there they were throwing a giant rager during this expedition, and he hid in his tent. And everyone chopped down all the trees, and that's why it's called Lone Pine because they only left one. They had a huge bonfire, and these winged demons showed up and killed everybody. And there had been sightings sense of these things, and I have, like I do on my show, I put the links. This is where I'm getting this information. Yesterday or the day before, I got 24 robbers came knocking on my door. No, yesterday I got. A comment on YouTube video for that one. That came out grammatically weird. And it was from Chop Top. And Chop Top said... This was his exact message. And I kind of woke up to this. It said... As far as I can tell, the Lone Pine Mountain Devils were created for a YouTube video called Mountain Devil Prank Fails Horribly. Can't find any reference to it before the posting of that video. And I was like, what? And so I watched the video. It's a short film about a group of guys that trying to pull a prank on their friend. They go to Lone Pine Mountain, and the prank goes horribly. A bunch of flying creatures show up and kill the friends. And they're basically short filmmakers. They ended up doing a segment for VHS, the horror movie compilation. But I watched the short film. I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. And the short film came out in May 2010. And Chop Top is right. There is not a single reference to these creatures. Before May 2010. After May 2010, you start to see it. You see the video come out. Later on, you see these articles. But before May 2010, there's no reference to these things whatsoever. I went back to my trusted guide, the National Directory of Haunted Places. Because when I covered Lone Pine, I covered two stories. One, about the woman whose house was under assault by a bunch of ghosts. And that is listed in the book, which was published in 1999. That is also listed on the web. But in the book... It is there's no mention of these flying creatures. And supposedly this account came from the 1800s, and this book did the research in the area, and we're only able to come up with the story of the ghost assaulting the house. The reason why, and I'm not doing a correction. Thank you, Chop Top, for pointing that out. And I acknowledged him, but I'm not doing a correction. Even though I probably should, I don't normally do corrections unless I make an egregious mistake. This one I just find fascinating, because this shows... The level of myth-making in our society. They might have made it up, or a fan of the film might have made it up, but what's weird is now when you read about it, all my links never mention the film, all the links just say this is a historical event that happened, people in the area cited, it goes back to the time of the natives, la 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 la. So I find it fascinating how quickly myths are formed. Because if Chop Top had never sent this to me, I never would have known. It's something from nine years... A short film from nine years ago... Basically started this myth. And I found out about these things on a cryptid website. And going forward... Unless someone like Chop Top... Or now you guys... Hear this cryptid myth... Unless someone steps forward and goes... Oh no 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 no... That was based on a short film. There's no evidence of this ever existing before the short film. This is going to be a cryptid that will continue to grow. The legend will continue to grow. Sometimes I will take an unsatisfactory answer over who knows. And that's what this is. It's a, It's funny because it's an unsatisfactory answer because the monsters don't exist. But it's also, to me, extremely fascinating because of the element of some kids created a short film and they, that creature is now a recognized cryptid that's covered on podcasts, covered on YouTube channels, Covered, encrypted websites, and it's all because of these three four young dudes making a short film. Blair Witch could have been that same thing if that was a more underground film. That movie was like a cult film instead of wide release in the theater. There'd probably be a lot of people who believe in the Blair Witch. There actually probably is a lot of people who still believe in the Blair Witch. But thank you, Chop Top. I found that fascinating that you found that out. For all I know, Chop Top's one of the people who made the movies. but Or he could just be the fan of the movie, or he could have just wanted to try to do more research. But I find it fascinating nonetheless. Now let's talk about two other episodes here. So I got an email from a gentleman named Austin. And he was talking about two different things in this email. The first off was when I did the story about the grinning man. The grinning man who... That's the one episode I didn't write down when I was taking my notes. But it was a fairly recent episode. It was the grinning man of Scotland where he would like magically appear in front of women. And he would be doing weird stuff. He'd be like rubbing his chest... He'd be, like, running in place. And only women saw him, and they only saw him in this very, very limited geographical area. And Austin says, you know what? And and let me say this, too. This is a bit of a correction, too. And and Kaylee on YouTube picked this up as well. I kept calling it the Grinning Man. He's technically called the Gurning Man, which I guess is a different... He would smile, but he also made these weird faces, and that's a different thing called Gurning. So... It's super, I thought gurning was like a slang to like a Scottish term for grinning because they just can't pronounce stuff right over there. But Kaylee was like, no, 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 they're two separate things, actually. A gurning is more like a scrunched up face. So (laughs) there's a lot of corrections on this episode. But Austin said, what if the grinning man, we'll just keep calling him that, this guy who appears in front of women and seems to like be doing this salacious stuff in front of them and frightening them. Austin goes, what if that is a practicer of mubobobo now mubobobo was a magical sexual assault spell that i covered in episode 191 where women in zimbabwe were saying that they were being psychically raped to the point where they were physically feeling the sensation of rape and the police were arresting throwing people in jail for this crime they're like oh yeah we know what that like women would be like yeah i was just sitting in this DMV office and I felt myself get penetrated and the cops are like oh yeah we know what that is we know what to look for it's a problem over there in Zimbabwe is this and he goes what if the grinning man is an other type of magic user who does that because he only appeared in front of women and it was in a short geographical area and it's interesting because I hadn't made that connection the sexual assault magic in Zimbabwe and at the end of that episode I go what if that guy has moved on to other places like what if this practitioner Move to a place where the police didn't know what to look for. In Zimbabwe, it's a legit crime. What if this guy went somewhere where people don't know what to look for, and then Austin goes, maybe that is where the grinning man comes from. That might be true. You have the same... It didn't physically rape them, but it de- the whole thing definitely seemed perverted. The grinning man, the way he appeared to women, and the stuff he did was just seemed like the intent was for personal excitement wasn't necessarily popping up and scaring them, or trying to possess them. It was just doing odd, disturbing stuff in front of them. Moving oddly in the middle of the night. The foot of your bed, just some creature going... (laughs) And then disappearing. Just really, really bizarre stuff. But then, Yomi sent me an email. But see, then Yomi goes, let's talk just about the Mubububo. I love saying that. Let's just... (laughs) It's a horrible, horrible crime. But... He goes, what if that is related to sexual assault missiles? Now, sexual assault missiles is a mystery that I've been searching for really since the beginning of the show. And have never made any headway. What is sexual assault missiles, you ask? I don't know. It's on the conspiracy theory iceberg. And I've never been able to find anything for it. And he goes, what if Mubobobo is related to that? Now, I don't know. But it does give me an interesting angle to look at. It might be a little bit of the break I need. Maybe it is related not just to a physical missile, but some sort of sexual assault magic missile. Something I was thinking more of like a weapon system. A lot of people have said maybe it's the gay bomb, which is a bomb the military tried to invent. They would drop on people and it would release pheromones and start making the soldiers bang each other. And I thought maybe, but the gay bomb is pretty well known. I've read multiple articles on that over the years. So I go. I don't really think it's that. But Yomi may actually have a step in the right direction, sexual assault missiles. So we'll keep looking at that. I know this is feeling like a clip show. I really, guys, hope you are enjoying it. I, 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 again, I find all this stuff really fascinating. And I, I think it's interesting. I get a lot of story recommendations from you guys. I also get a lot of really cool emails from you guys. So I really like to take this opportunity to kind of go through them. Now, I mentioned this on an earlier episode as well. this is kind of less of a clip show and more of a, a new story. So if you haven't listened to any of those episodes, one, I'd recommend them. All those episodes we've talked about are actually really good episodes. I really like those ones. But in Austin's email, he talked about the Mubububo and the Grinning Man. And then he goes this. He goes, you've talked a lot about ghosts in the past and things like that. Let me read you this this part of his email here. My idea regarding ghosts, my idea is that a lot of ghosts we see are caused by human emotion. In particular, very strong emotion or the gradual buildup of emotion over time. Now, that's fairly standard. A lot of people, it's a very standard way of looking at ghosts. Like, that's not groundbreaking at all. And I'm not putting it down, Austin, but I mean, that's a pretty normal way of looking at it. But, I, but as we go forward, I think there's some real nuggets in here. He continues, why does emotion have a lingering effect? I don't know, maybe there is an astral plane or higher dimension or something like that. And that made me think of one of the things that scientists don't understand about gravity is gravity technically should be stronger than it is. And so that's one of the reasons why people think there's a multiverse. They think that gravity is coming from another level into our reality and then leaving. As opposed to electromagnetic energy, which is here. Gravity should be stronger, but it's not. So it makes scientists go, it has to be going somewhere. It has to not... Originate from here. Now, I'm really bastardizing that theory. I've watched a couple, like, documentaries on it that were made for, like, the general public on PBS. I know it gets a little more scientific than that, but that's kind of the way they go. Technically, if you jumped off a building, you should fall to the center of the earth. Gravity is that powerful of a force it can hold a planet together, but it's not powerful enough to make you plummet into the ground. And they go, it's, it's just an odd force. Gravity can warp space time, but. When you hit the planet, you just splatter. So, again, totally bastardizing that. So anyways, and that made me think, what if human emotion is the same way that, or the soul, or however you want to describe it, It's it seems like it's so important in this universe, but it actually extends across other dimensions. I don't know. I just found that really interesting that it's coming from somewhere else and it's also emanating into something else. And We're just getting a little sliver of how powerful emotional energy actually is. But the key part of the email that I was looking at said, Hell, one thing I thought of now is that the emotional residue probably decays over time till nothing is left, which could explain why we don't really have any ancient Sumerian ghosts or ghosts of people getting crushed by mammoths. Now, one of the things, like, I'm fairly skeptical, and we talked about that along the show. One of the things that, and thanks, Austin, for the email, is I've always said, technically, every square inch of the planet should be haunted. If ghosts are the spirits of dead people. Every square inch of the planet should be haunted, because on every square inch of the planet, over the course of four billion years, someone or something has died. Now, ghost dogs, or ghost dinosaurs, ghost dinosaur would be awesome, dude. How is Sci-Fi Channel not done? I'm sure they have. I saw a movie called Triassic Attack. There was a bunch of skeletons of dinosaurs running around. It was so funny, because at one point, a guy was running away from a dinosaur, a skeleton T-Rex, and it bit him and he just fell out of the stomach. He just fell out of the bones and ran away. But a ghost dinosaur would be terrifying because how would you destroy it? Could you exercise it? It's non-denominational. It's just a big old ghost dinosaur. Anyways, as I'm plotting my script in my head, I thought, you know, I always go, there should be, there every part of America, there's been a Native American who died or a settler who died or something. It's just, there's just statistically every, maybe not every inch, but every square mile should be haunted. And I hadn't thought about it before. And he was saying that maybe emotional energy just decays over time. And that's why we don't see these old ghosts. So then I went and looked that up. And that also is a theory other people have put out. They've said that when somebody dies, they may, it may be a brutal murder or something like that. But over time, that emotional residue leaves the area. And that would explain why most ghosts we see are from. Like Victorian times. Maybe there is a t- two, 300 year time limit to how long this emotional residue can float around. The article that I also read about the caveman ghosts said it it could also be that we don't go where they lived. Which makes sense because it's not... The cavemen themselves, there was, what, maybe a 100,000 of them, 200,000 of them. It's shocking to think of the amount of numbers that humanity started off with to where we are today. But there weren't a lot of them. And unless you were in where they were at or in their caves, the caves themselves may be haunted. But, I mean, other than that... But I think I think Austin's more on the nose that it's this emotional energy thing. But, but, last callback to a past episode, I got an email from Aldair. Because I recently said, I'm going to do an episode on caveman ghosts. And Aldair's like, no, 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 not yet, not yet. <laughs> let, let me tell you this real quick before you do this episode. Aldair said, May-, and this is fascinating, and, in fact, and a great way to wrap up this listener segment. Aldair said, maybe the reason why there are no caveman ghosts is because of what I explained in my episode about the, about the bicameral mind. And that was episode 166, The Tale of the Talking Tumor. And that was the theory that humanity used to be much, much simpler. Where one side of your mind would tell you to do something, and then you would simply do it. And that is where we get stories of voices from God, voices from the outside. Because you would wake up and your mind would be like, time to go into the field. You walk out in the field, and it'd be like, time to brush your teeth. And you're like, what's a toothbrush? And the mind's like, invent one. And you're like, okay, and then you invent a toothbrush, and you use it. And so for the longest time, we basically had our two parts of our mind were just talking to each other. We were what were called noble automatons. And some of the proof of that was if we look at early, early, early literature, characters simply did things. And it wasn't until later literature or later books of the Bible where characters are starting to be introspective and starting to question things about themselves and the world around them. Before that, people are just kind of walking around. he goes, maybe that's why there's no caveman ghost. Maybe it's not an emotional energy thing. Maybe it's the fact that we weren't complex enough to leave a ghost fascinating stuff you guys always impress me I get a lot of emails from you guys so thank you Aldair and thank you Yomi and thank you Austin and thanks everyone who's ever sent me an email I get a lot of really cool emails from you guys I got an email from Rabbitfish he was actually on vacation and he drove up through Hood River which is kind of cool because I'm thinking you know I'm making this podcast and here's this guy on vacation and he just drives through the town and he's like it's like seeing seeing this place That to me, Hood River is so creepy and dark, and I don't think I've ever really been able to convey that on the show. To me, it is like this location on the border of the odd. It's quite quite weird up here. But yeah, so I mean, just getting these emails from you guys, I get a lot of them, and I'm not able to always respond very, very quickly, and I apologize for that. But um, I do write down your suggestions, and um, I do enjoy reading them. And I wanted to take this time out to kind of highlight some of the more recent emails I got. And <laughs> I'm not on. I'm really. I I've eaten my body weight in M and M's since I've given up nicotine. When on Wednesday I'm going back on the keto, but it's going to be a rough couple of days. So, <clears throat> but but that being said, that being said, let's go ahead and get onto this last story here now. Now, this last story is really fascinating to me. This is going to be a controversial one too. So you might think, oh, Jason's just phoning it in because he's fiending for nicotine. No, this one's going to be a controversial one. J- this, this news just came out. There's an author named David Garrow. And I know some of you are already like, Jason, don't record that. Don't do this story. There's an author named David Garrow. He's a British author. He wrote a bunch of books, which is usually what authors do. He wrote a book on the abortion battles leading up to Roe vs. Wade. That was one of his big books. He wrote an Obama biography, which is actually quite heavily criticized because it focused on him as a person, which is kind of an odd thing to criticize. And I didn't read the biography, obviously. I just found out about this. But it was interesting because the biography says that Barack Obama was just kind of like a dude hanging out, and then like in the late 80s, early 90s, he was like, I'm destined for something. I'm going to be president of the United States. And his girlfriend at the time, it wasn't Michelle, it was this other girl, she says it was bizarre. It, she didn't actually say it was bizarre, but she said it was it was odd because all of a sudden he had this manifest destiny. All of a sudden he just knew what he was set on Earth to do. Which I always find that type of stuff fascinating. But And then he won, David Garrow won a Pulitzer Prize in 1986 for the book Bearing the Cross. Martin Luther King Jr., and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Pulitzer Prize winner for Biography. He described, David Garrow describes himself as a Bernie Sanders Democratic Socialist. So he's not Ben Shapiro. He's not Gavin McGuinness. He's not a right-wing dude. He describes himself as a Bernie Sanders Democratic Socialist. He's So that's the political view he's coming from. But he's currently putting together an article for a British magazine called Standpoint Magazine. The article hasn't come out yet, but this happens a lot. A lot of times they'll release details of what the article is going to be about. So when the magazine drops, it'll be a huge seller because people want to read it. It's basically a promo piece for the article that he's writing for Standpoint Magazine. Back in January of 1964, Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., if you don't know who he is, civil rights pioneer, helped lead the boycotts, Rosa Parks. I mean, I'm trying to boil it all down into a couple sentences here. He's only got like (laughs) 10 minutes left. But he's basically... He was a... The the best way to look... If you're not familiar with the civil rights movement in America, the best way to explain it is this. Martin Luther King Jr. was Professor Xavier and Malcolm X was Magneto. And, And Stan Lee actually based those two characters on the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. If... I don't want to say this, but if you consider the African-American community the mutants, that sounds really... Bu- <sighs> what I'm trying to say is that that's the struggle, the struggle, where you had one guy who was super militant, which was Malcolm X, and then you had one guy who was like, no, we can work with people to get what we want. We can live together. Professor Xavier's dream of how the mutants were going to be in society... And then uh, Malcolm X is Magneto. Now, I've always been a big fan of Malcolm X. I still am a big fan of Malcolm X. I read his autobiography. It is an amazing book. It's full of just... He quips the whole time. It's basically like... the As serious as the subject is that he's talking about, the stuff he comes up with is gold. Oh, I love that book. Autobiography of Malcolm X. is a great book. But... Uh, basically, and one of Malcolm X's arguments was, hey, man, you can either choose my path of militant violence or you can go with uh, King's path of peace. And America decided to go with King's path. Now, both Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. were assassinated, and both of them under incredibly suspicious circumstances. But that that's kind of the overview of Martin Luther King Jr.'s place in the civil rights struggle. He believed that the blacks and the whites could get together like could be friends i had a dream speech he's the guy who did that it's you're thinking jason you're an idiot why do you think this is an international show too a lot of people listen to the i only get 60 percent of the audience from america so sometimes i have to do overviews there are people in other countries who aren't aware of that so who aren't aware of martin luther king Jr. anyways the point is is that malcolm x was held up as this militant leader who would not shy away from resorting to, at, at the very minimum, threats of violence. He was constantly talking about blowing people up. He would say stuff like, a white liberal would walk up to Malcolm X and say, how can I help you? And Malcolm X would go, you can help me by joining the Klan, taking a revolver to the next meeting, and killing as many of them as possible. That's the only way you can help me as a white person. So he, was not, he was, did not shy away from violence. Martin Luther King Jr., Presented himself as someone completely different. Now, Martin Luther King Jr. always had two rumors following him around his entire career. One, he was a communist. And two, he cheated on his wife. Now, both of those things, the communist thing obviously really made the government nervous back then. Nowadays, people will shrug off. The the guy writing about him describes himself as a democratic socialist. People don't even blink nowadays if someone goes, oh yeah, that person's a communist. But back then, huge deal. The fact that he was sleeping around on his wife, people thought was kind of slimy. He was a minister, he was a Baptist minister, he was married to... But it wasn't enough to offset the mission. But this is what we're getting to right now. David Garrow is writing this article in Standpoint Magazine. And he says that he has not listened to the actual recordings. But in the National Vaults, and like the FBI vaults, there is a series of recordings of Martin Luther King and his friend, the Reverend Logan Curse. In a hotel room, or hotel rooms, there was two of them, in a Washington, D.C. hotel from January 1964. The recordings will be released in the year 2027. But the summaries of the recordings are available now. And David Garrow and David Garrow began going through the summaries of these recordings. And what he found will, f- if true, will forever ruin the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Everything I'm about to say is a legend. We all learned about him in high school. We have a Martin Luther King day where we get the day off. Elementary school kids love him. High school kids love him. He's an icon, man. Orgy at the hotel. Him and his minister friend banging a bunch of chicks. It's all recorded on audio. So what, Jason? A lot of people are banging dudes. <laughs> they weren't banging dudes. I mean, a lot of dudes are banging chicks. Yeah, you're right. Not a, not a huge deal. In the transcripts, it says, in the summaries, the FBI agents say it was they engaged in acts of degeneracy and depravity, which, I mean, makes you think the worst of the worst. But again, these were 1964. These were agents in 1964 who, back then, oral sex may have been depraved. So making excuses, sure. yeah, you know, Having an orgy in a room with your best friend and a bunch of chicks who went to the best friend's church is bizarre. It's not something you want to do. But it's not earth-shattering. In the recordings, apparently a woman doesn't want to do it. And Martin Luther King Jr. says, It'll be good for your soul. Ah, it's a little slimy. But even that's not enough to start tearing down street signs with his name on it. The day before that, though. The day before the orgy. If true. If this allegation is true. The day before the orgy, a woman came over to the hotel room. This is all audio recorded. And we'll find out in eight years. There's an audio recording of Logan Kerr's the FBI document, so what happens is these women come over and King and Curse start talking about, like, which women's they should do what to. And I'll just read this part of the article. In King's hotel room, the files claim they then discussed which women among the prisoners would be suitable for natural and unnatural sex acts. And then the FBI document says, when one of the women protested that she did not approve the Baptist minister immediately and forcefully raped her as King watched. He's alleged to have looked on, laughed, and offered advice during the encounter. FBI agents were in the next hotel room monitoring the wiretap live, and they didn't go in. They just sat there and listened to it. I mean, obviously the FBI, at the time, wanted to take King down. Is it possible that these summaries are fake? Yes. Apparently, according to David Garrow, according to these articles, the FBI then sent a copy of the recordings to Martin Luther King Jr. with a letter saying that this will completely ruin your 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 future, and you'll always be known as this horrible sex dude, you should kill yourself just to make it right, you should kill yourself so nobody ever finds out, and obviously he didn't, he was assassinated five years later, but... They obviously had an axe to grind with him at the time. Is it possible that these summaries are overblown? Yes. Is it possible that these summaries are completely falsified, trying to uh, get you know trying to get approval from higher ups to take out Martin Luther King say, "Look at all this horrible stuff he did a uh, yes, but." Anyone, like any anyone higher up in the government would say, oh my God, this is horrible. Can I listen to the audio? So they would have to produce some sort of evidence. I don't know, though. I personally don't know if these are true. The summary, the whole, let's say this. It's possible that the summaries are completely false. David Garrow is totally making the whole thing up. Totally 100% possible that everything's made up. It could be that the summaries are getting cherry-picked, and some of them are bad, and the media's running with it, that's possible too. David Garrow, though, doesn't seem, his book from 1986 about Martin Luther King Jr., Pulitzer Prize winner, doesn't seem like he necessarily has an axe to grind with this dude. He does say, David Garrow is quoted as saying, it poses so fundamental a challenge to his historical stature as to require the most complete and extensive historical review possible. And he said when he was going through these summaries, he was like, yeah, I know he's a slime bag. I've always heard rumors that he was cheating on his wife and stuff like that. But as he's going through the summaries, when he gets to that part, he's shocked. Shocked by this guy that he has respected and and has, you know, the world has respected. He's shocked by his behavior. I obviously don't want this to be true. I don't want this to be true. And... I'm fairly skeptical that it is. However, the only thing that makes me think that it could be true, because I have to weigh, the FBI had a bone to pick with them. What makes me think it could be true is the source it's coming from who is uh, more left-wing. He had wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning biography on this guy. It'll be, what we'll have to do is we'll wait till the Standpoint article comes out and David Garrow starts doing interviews where he's able to be questioned and he can give more information. He may come out and say, Listen, the articles that ran with it originally, they were kind of taking some stuff out of context. That really wasn't the, what I was trying to say. This actually didn't happen. This didn't happen. It was da, 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 da. clickbait, clickbait. It's possible. But if he comes out and says, no, this is true. here's the summaries. Look them up yourself. The recordings will be out in eight years. So we better start planning on how we're going to look at this guy's legacy in eight years. Because everyone's going to know soon. I think, the, I, I think, and again, if this is true, I think it'll be one of those things that will be relegated to a conspiracy theory. I personally don't believe the audio tapes, if this is true, will ever be released. I don't think they'll ever release them. It'd be too damaging. And I think it then falls into that category that I always believe in. It's conspiracy theories don't always have to be these huge overriding things with Pizzagate and reptiles and satanic overlords and all sorts of stuff. Sometimes it's just people or groups of people doing horrible things and covering it up. And in this case, somebody doing a horrible thing and the government going, it's not worth everyone finding out about. He's a national hero. Let's just cover it up. David Garrow's article will probably come and go. And it will just become a conspiracy theory. And anyone who brings it up will be considering tarnishing the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. There's an old saying, never build a statue of a living person because you don't know what's going to happen. But when people are 50 years dead and we're still getting revelations like this, it really makes you question who do you build statues of? Who do you name streets after or make holidays after? We may never fully know what happened in that hotel room in January 1964. Logan Curse has passed away. Martin Luther King Jr. has passed away. We may never know the full details if those tapes are never released. And we may never know the full details if they're released. We don't know if they were edited or anything like that. But one thing is clear. Humans are complex. That's not an excuse. If this is true, that's not an excuse at all. But humans are complex. And we can deify people and memorialize people and hold them up as lofty ideas of how humans should behave. But at the end of the day, they're still just people. People can be both good and evil. People can give both love and hate. And no amount of dreaming can ever change that. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. If you're in business, you probably have a website, but can your site handle your growth? How many visitors before your site slows down or crashes? What about storage and data security? From web hosting to virtual servers, Pair Networks provides the online infrastructure you need to start, grow, and flourish. When it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24 7 US based customer support is the best in the industry. No frustrating chatbots are sitting on hold for hours. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. That's P A I R.com.